two, one, one. Fight, fight, fight. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary friends, welcome back to Nerd Explosion. <laughs> I did a soundboard to do that sound effect. Do you like it? I want to experiment with it more in future episodes, so I'm going to download some sound effects. Let me know what you guys, what sound effects you guys want me to use. I'm just going to pick a bunch at random, but I'll probably use them throughout this episode. But anyway, moving on with today's episode. We are in Halloween month, so I figure, you know, I haven't talked about video games yet, so I'm going to do that. Today's episode is going to be about scary slash disturbing moments in gaming. Now, whether it's something I've personally dealt with or just in general, like the, what the general public considers a scary slash disturbing moment in gaming, I just want to go through a bunch of them and just, you know, explore the spooky side of gaming. But before I get into all that, new episodes of this podcast come out every Saturday, if you didn't already know. So make sure you like, follow, ring any bells, do all the things that do all the stuff, because every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. So, with that being said, let's get ready to get spooked and talk about some scary slash disturbing moments in gaming. Now, before I get into anything, I do want to say, like, my whole experience with horror games, I'm not usually one to play horror games just because I can't. I get way too uneasy and I just end up quitting. I do love horror games. I love watching horror games, but I myself, I can't really play horror games because they just, I don't know. I just, something in me is just like, it feels really uneasy. Just like being a part of the action. I hate, I guess I hate the fact that like with most scary games, the fact that I'm in control of what scares me just kind of makes me feel uneasy. But there are plenty of uh, scary and disturbing moments in gaming, whether it's from actual horror games or games that aren't horror games at all. They're just like happy-go-lucky games that happen to have weird, creepy moments. And I want to go through a few today. So I'm going to start off with some minor ones on this list. Dead Hand from Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Now, if you haven't played Ocarina of Time, I definitely recommend it. I don't agree with it being like the top Zelda game of all time, like a lot of people think. But it's still a really good Zelda game, and it still kind of holds up today. I mean, the graphics have aged, but it's still a good, you know, fun game to play nowadays. But there is one enemy from Ocarina of Time that I just, I just, I can't deal with. And the fact that you run into this enemy twice in the same game, I just, just know that enemy being Dead Hand. Now, you first run into Dead Hand, I believe, in the bottom of the well which is in uh, Kakariko Village, and you first come across this. You, well, you come across it as childlike, I believe. Like, you do something, you drain the well, and then you go on the bottom. And that's where you get the lens of truth, I believe. But there is a room in the bottom of the well where you go in, the, wall, the walls are just covered with, like, skulls and all kinds of gross stuff. There are, like, hands coming out. There's just these white hands coming out of the ground. So you're walking into the room, and you're like, oh, just let me check out these hands. All of a sudden, it grabs Link, the music gets all dramatic, this gross, white, like, blood-splattered blob just comes out of the ground, slithers towards you, just 
lowers its head towards you very, very disturbingly. And, you know, how does it attack Link? It doesn't swing its arm at Link. No, it tries to bite his head off. I repeat, he tries to decapitate Link. It's just, ugh, I don't like the enemy. Like, I could deal with everything else. There are, you know, the stout children. They're skeletons. You know, that's fine, whatever. But Dead Hand, oh, I, I did not like it. And like I said, the fact that you run into this enemy twice, he's technically a mini-boss, I guess, or it, I should say, because God knows what that thing is. But you run into this enemy twice. The second time, uh, I believe it's the Shadow Temple, where you're uh, adult Link. I mean, adult, I guess, Link is technically 18, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I'll probably touch on it more next month when I cover Zelda, but yeah, Dead Hand. Just, ugh, don't like it. Next minor one I want to take care of here is Monster Rock from Spider-Man PS1. Now, the original Spider-Man game, if I remember right, you know, the plot from what I remember is it starts off, Doc Ock is given a presentation, and there's a fake Spider-Man. Well, Peter Parker is there at this event taking pictures for uh, the Daily Butyl. And Eddie Brock is there as well, trying to one-up Peter Parker. But during the presentation, another fake Spider-Man steals Doc Ock's technology and just runs off with it. But I think it's actually, like, Carnage in disguise. Carnage kind of... Carnage disguises himself as, like, a fake Spider-Man to steal this technology in order to help Doc Ock because Doc Ock is actually the main villain behind everything. So you spend the whole game trying to track down Doc Ock and you fight a bunch of classic Spider-Man villains like Venom, Rhino. You do fight Carnage at some point and there's also another battle with uh, Doc Ock. I think you fight Doc Ock and then Carnage. The symbiote that took over Cletus Cassidy and created Carnage latches itself onto Doc Ock and turns Doc Ock into Monster Rock, who is absolutely fucking terrifying. Uh, if I can, let me find a clip here. I really want to find a, okay, get out of here, soundboard. I really want to find a clip here because you need to hear how this thing talks. Okay, so I found it here. Here is the, here's the cutscene when you defeat Carnage and then the symbiote leaves him. You are a born loser, Cletus Cassidy. Like I told Mysterio, no one can control the symbiotes. No one I've met, anyway. Take a breather, Spidey. It's over. Well, just another day in the life. Whoa! What's up? And here comes Monster Rock. Oh, it actually does the full thing, so. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. Ugh. Absolutely nightmare fuel. And the thing about this, you don't even fight Monster Rock. All you do is run. Like, as Spidey, all you focus on is escaping from the underground base that you're at. While Monster Rock chases you. And if you fail, Monster Rock just stomps Spider-Man to death. It's just, ugh. It's not that scary now, but as a kid, that was terrifying. And as an adult, it's not really terrifying anymore, but it's still so stressful to play. I wish I still had a copy of Spider-Man, but yeah, this moment is still stressful because 
you know, he, he can easily catch up to you. But yeah, Monster Rock from the original Spider-Man game. <laughs> nightmare fuel. I still have nightmares to this day. <laughs> but next one I wanted to talk about, and this is a very personal one for me. The lake from Shadow of the Colossus, or just any body of water from a video game that's deep and dark. I just, I've, thalassophobia, that's my thing. I have thalassophobia, which is a fear of deep, dark water. I, I cannot do deep, dark water. Like, I'm, I, I can swim just fine, but you put me, like, in the middle of the lake, or, heaven forbid, the ocean, then, ugh, I can't, like, if I can't see what's below me, then just, no, no thanks. I, I can't do it. Uh, a Markiplier, YouTuber, actually kind of shares the same fear. I have, because he talked about it in a episode of the Distractable podcast. Uh, I actually listened to it today, Fears and Fetishes. He talked about where he was doing a uh, Unisana's video, where you know they kind of traded off him and Ethan were doing you know conquering each other's fears, and Ethan made Mark swim in the ocean, and Mark said that while he was sw- swimming, he went through the full fight or flight. He went through fight and flight. Like, before he got in the water, he wanted to fight. Once he got in the water, all he could think about was getting out. And that's the same thing for me. Like, it's just the fear of the unknown. You have no idea what is below you. And just, I don't know, seeing that just makes me feel real uneasy. I bring it back to the lake from Shadow of the Colossus. There's actually, like, a couple times where you deal with a lake. One, where you swim to the middle and there's a Colossus that comes up above the water, walks through the lake, and you have to climb on it and defeat it. But there's a Colossus that swims through the water. It's like this eel thing. I think it's called Hydrus. It swims through the water, and it's just, ugh. I think what really got me thinking of this, why I immediately think of the lake from Shadow of the Colossus, because when I played it recently, I played the HD remake, and I was swimming to this thing, and I already felt a little uneasy, and I'm like, ugh, this is a big lake, I don't know what's in it. But I accidentally uh, pan the camera down, so it's like a view from underneath the water. You look up, you see the bottom of your character while they're swimming, and then you can see everything below them, like in the water. And just that deep darkness, I was just like, Ugh, no, I, I don't like it. So yeah, the lake or just any deep, dark body of water in a video game just makes me real uneasy. The next one I want to talk about, now this is another minor one I want to get out of the way is the character of Clanker from Banjo-Kazooie. If you haven't played Banjo-Kazooie, I highly recommend it. For, but for those of you that don't know, Banjo-Kazooie was an old N64 game. You know, you uh, it dealt with, you know, you playing as Banjo and his bird friend, Kazooie. Banjo was a bear. And basically, you went on a mission to stop uh, the evil witch, Gruntilda, from turning, you know... She captured your sister, and she's going to use her to make herself beautiful, and obviously you go to stop her. And there is a level, there's a level you can play in the game called Clanker's Cavern. Sorry, I had to pause for a second, because apparently my neighbor's dog is having a fucking fit. But anyway, there's a level called Clanker's Cavern in Banjo-Kazooie, and in this level, you know, you swim through, you collect stuff... Just like the rest of the game, but there's one point where you dive under the water and you swim through this tube, and on the other side of this tube is Clanker. Now, you know, you would think some, you know, a character that's not necessarily, 
you know, an enemy. Clayton's not an enemy. He actually helps you out and you you do stuff for him. But Clanter's character design in the original Banjo-Kazooie fucking terrifying. Like, my God, you come out at the end of this tube, the first thing that greets you is his giant eyes, giant sharp teeth. And even without that, Clanter's disguise, he's this giant shark. But at some point, um, if I didn't, I think I actually have it pulled up here. At some point, Clanter was, I think he was a, uh, he was a living being. Clanter is a character found at Clanter's Tavern in Banjo-Tazooie. He's an extremely large aquatic creature, sort of resembling a giant cyborg shark, despite having a whale's blowhole, so his actual species is questionable. The Grunty's Furnace Fun Quiz, however, always refers to him as a whale. He has organic bits, akin to a deep skin tissue perhaps, of his original body sticking out. Grunty uses him as her garbage disposal, but therefore has him in a worsening condition. He is attached to a chain connected in a deep area at the bottom of the room. Banjo has to swim through a tea loop three times to release him. If Banjo drowns after that, he'll have to redo it. Banjo may enter Clanker via his teeth, blowhole, and gills. Clanker always moves his eyes wherever Banjo goes, so when you're swimming around Clanker, his eyes follow you. Uh, there's actually some trivia here about Clanker I want to read off. Uh, this first one refers to his appearance in Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Hitting or ramming Clanker's eye during the challenge spring break in Banjo-Land results in the game crashing. I mean, that's fitting with the rest of the game. That game was garbage. <laughs> the sounds of Clanker speaking are different than any other character in the Banjo-Kazooie series as he will make very long groans while speaking, whereas any other character makes constant, short-time mumbles. So... In Banjo-Kazooie, most characters speak like, you know, they kind of speak like that, but Clanker's more like, like, this is, it's unsettling, god. Oh, here's one talking about why I put him on this list. Many players consider him unnecessarily horrifying when they're greeted with his big pair of creepy eyes and an even bigger set of sharp teeth but he's actually a tragic character that only becomes terrifying when they begin to realize what he truly is, which they later, they later feel bad about him. So yeah, Clanker, he's this big, like, metal shark, but, you know, resembling a shark, I guess he's technically referred to as a whale, but he used to be a living being, and you can see that with, like, bits of uh, skin tissue and everything poking out of the, the metal body. It's just, ugh, it's terrifying, it's unsettling, and it's in a kid's game. It's just, ugh, I don't like it. So, Clanker, definitely on my list. Next one I want to put on here is the River Twigs from Paper Mario. Or I should say Super Paper Mario. So, for those of you that don't know the uh, Paper Mario series, they kind of spun off of the Mario RPG, or the Super Mario RPG game. It is, let me, uh, let me see here. Super Paper Mario is a 2007 action role-playing game developed by Intelligent Systems and published by Nintendo for the Wii. It is the third installment in the Paper Mario series and the first Mario game to be released on the Wii. The game follows Mario, Peach, Bowser, and Luigi as they attempt to collect pure hearts and stop Count Black and his minions from destroying the universe. 
it's um it's a cutesy game right it sounds cutesy and it's actually a really good game it's definitely in my top five mario games that i've ever played there is a moment in the game where mario quote-unquote dies and he gets sent to basically the kid-friendly version of hell called the underwear which <laughs> funny <laughs> you know the covid underwear it's an underwear joke <laughs> But besides an innocent and, frankly, immature joke, there is a recreation of the River Styx in the game called the River Twigs. For those of you that don't know, Styx is uh, one of the rivers of the underworld in Greek mythology. The word Styx literally means shuddering and expresses loathing of death. In Homer's Iliad and Odyssey, the gods swear by the water of the Styx as their most binding oath. So basically... Styx is a is a river in the underworld in Greek mythology, and they obviously call it the River Twigs. And there's a there obviously there's a boatman, and you pay him a coin, and you go across. And the normal happy music is playing or whatever, and it's just you know it's fine, it's whatever. But you can get out, and you can actually dive in the water because there's coins to collect and other stuff in the water, and the music that accompanies it is fucking terrifying. Like it's terrifying for a mario game uh for comparison there is like a hub world called flipside which i'll play you the music for that to give you like uh just give you a good comparison so here's flipside Pretty upbeat, right? Pretty upbeat. You know, that's what I thought too. Pretty, pretty, pretty upbeat. Now, in contrast to that, when you dive into the water, now this track in the OST is called The River Twig's Bed, or River Twig's Bed, and this music basically plays when you're under the water in the River Twig's. terrifying absolutely terrifying it's just it makes you want to get out of the river so goddamn fast i mean there's not that much there's nothing really that important in the river twins you need to collect i think i don't know it's been a while since i played the game but it's just for a mario game you're looking at this happy little plumber face and you hear that music like just imagine mario being all like woohoo let's go while you're hearing this no thank you no thank you it's just i mean it's a great game i will say it's a great game definitely pick up super paper mario any way you can if you have to emulate it if you still got a nintendo wii definitely pick it up i it like i said it super paper mario was in my top five mario games but that moment that moment when i first played it i was very unsettled it was very disturbing too in the city at least uh, one more minor one actually that just came to mind another moment that i just thought of is 
the the crypt from Mortal Kombat X, I believe it is. I believe it's X. It's whatever one you go through the crypt and you can go down different paths in a first person mode. And along the way, something like randomly will jump out at you, you know, every so often. So first time I played that, I went through and I all of a sudden got jump scared by a wolf. I got jumped at by a wolf. I was not expecting it to happen. I screamed so goddamn loud. I was living with, uh, I was living at my old apartment at the time, and both my wife and uh, her brother, who was living with us, living with us at the time, they both came out and like, "What the hell happened?" I'm like, "I got scared." <laughs> so it just it ter- it terrified me because I did not expect it to happen. I was just you know happy playing this game. All of a sudden, a wolf just jumps at me out of nowhere. I just I was not expecting it. So that's definitely a you know terrifying moment for me. Uh, next on this list. The eye surgery scene from Dead Space 2. Now, I'm actually looking this up because I have not played Dead Space 2. And I just, I needed a little more context. So once I get these annoying ads out of the way, I can tell you what it's about. So in Dead Space 2, there's this thing called the Noontech Diagnostic Machine. And the Noontech Diagnostic Machine is a medical device used by Titan Station Director Tideman's science division who used it to facilitate the creation of their own marker following the Aegis VII Aegis incident. The, in- the machine was used to access the lateral geniculate, the part of the brain where the marker signals stored its information, blueprints, and knowledge. By inserting a needle through the ocular cavity to the LG, this information could be accessed without the need to open the patient's skull. Incidental survivors Isaac Clark and Nolan Strauss were both regularly subjected to the machine. They are given memory suppressants shortly afterwards so they would have no knowledge of the machine or its capabilities. So, you hop into this machine because there's a thing, obviously, there's stuff you need. No, the information, the whole marker thing. Let's see, the appearance. The Noontech diagnostic machine resembled a standard MRI machine in overall shape. The machine was first physically encountered by Clark shortly after the marker began a cataclysmic convergence event following the arrival of a necromorph horde. A hallucination of Nicole Brennan, Clark's deceased girlfriend, guided him to the machine. Realizing that the steps described to him by Nolan Strauss related to mach- the machine's operation, Clark entered the machine. The needle built into the machine extracted the information and caused great pain to Clark. However, he acquired the information necessary to destroy the Site-12 marker. This isn't a cutscene. You actually have to move this needle around and carefully insert this needle into Isaac's eye, basically. So, the strategy is... Isaac will panic and move his eye around very erratically should his heart rate become too high. The needle should be moved very slowly and cautiously, even slower slower when it is within 1.0 to 0.1 inches of Isaac's eye. It is not re- recommended to proceed when Isaac's heart rate exceeded 100 beats per minute as it will not drop any lower than 90. Once this happened and made it, and made it highly dangerous to extend the needle... Reload reload the checkpoint if Isaac starts panicking. So, basically, you have to keep this needle steady. I can't talk today. God damn it. 
You have to keep this needle steady when Isaac's heart rate goes up. Because if the player did not successfully line up the laser to Isaac's pupil or allow his heart rate to become or allowed his heart rate to become too high, the machine will suddenly malfunction. The entire needle apparatus is suddenly thrust downward and impales Isaac through his eye as he screams in pain. The needle attempts to retract, but ends up drilling in further, eventually piercing into Isaac's brain and causing his death. So yeah, if you screw up this whole, I guess it's a mini game technically. You screw up this whole mini game, this whole thing goes right through Isaac's eye, into his head, drills through his brain while he's screaming in pain. And you're like right in the action. You're like right in his face too while all this is going on. Drills into his brain and he dies and you have to redo the whole thing. <laughs> I want to read this thing from uh, the trivia because it's actually kind of funny. If Isaac died in the machine, the screen to his left displayed alignment compromise, please call engineer, which is ironic as it just killed the last remaining qualified engineer in the complex and possibly the entire station. <laughs> but yeah, I, I never played this game, but I've seen this scene so many times on everybody's, you know, like top 10 scariest moments in gaming videos. It's just, it, it's un, it's unsettling to watch. Doodle it at your own risk is all I have to say. The last one I want to talk about for today is one from probably one of my favorite games of all time, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, and that being the story of the interlopers. Now, at this point, you've been adventuring, you've been collecting stuff, you're on a mission to help Minna in the Twilight Realm, and, you know, all that, you know, typical Zelda game. But at one point, you do the Tears of Light, which is actually really fun in this game compared to what they did with Tears of Light and, like, Starward Sword, which I'll talk about that when I did the Zelda month. But basically, you do this whole thing, you collect Tears of Light, bring it back to the spirit Nehru in Lake Hylia, and Nehru then proceeds to tell Link the story of the interlopers, which were these, I believe, were these beings that wanted to use the Triforce for their own self-gain. I actually have the cutscene here, and there is dialogue, and I'll just, you know, read along, and you get to hear, you get to hear why I think this part is disturbing. When all was chaos, the goddesses descended and gave order and life to the world. They granted power equally to all who dwelt in the light, and then returned to the heavens. The lands where the goddesses descended came to be known as the Sacred Realm. For ages, the people lived at ease, content in mind and body. But soon, Word of the Sacred Realm spread through Hyrule, and a great battle ensued. Now at this point, Link and Ilya, no, Ilya, his friend in the game, are standing kind of in a void, just looking at everything, and it pans down, Ilya is holding a knife. And at this point, Ilya has whited out eyes, turns to Link and wants to stab him, but then she gasps. You see the knife drop. And then the sword... Then you see Link with white eyes, running towards something in the distance. 
He's running toward the Triforce on this hill. Dark lanes pop up. Among those living in the light, interlopers who had sold that magic appeared. Wielding powerful sorcery, they tried to establish dominion over the sacred realm. Giant mass pops up. And they take out Link. And the spirits show up, and they all freak out. It was then that the goddesses ordered us three light spirits to intervene. They, we sealed away the great magic those individuals had mastered. This is supposed to represent the light spirits intervening and, you know, fighting off the interlopers. And it's a regular looking link with white eyes and then a couple dark links next to him. And they're all like freaking out. Now, this next part, it zooms into Link's face, the normal Link with white eyes. And this is what Link does while you see a full face shot of Link. All that while you're staring Link directly in the face. And now they're gone. You know this magic. It is the dark power you seek. The fused shadow. Oh, hero chosen by the goddesses. Beware. <laughs> now this little part, a bunch of Ilyas start floating down from the top of the screen upside down. Those who do not know the danger of wielding power will, before long, be ruled by it. Never forget that. <laughs> and then Lynch snaps out of it. Does that whole part, I love Twilight Princess so much, but that part was so unsettling. I was just like, the hell is going on? Like, what kind of drugs am I on right now? And why haven't I taken more of them? <laughs> but... Yeah, just that whole cutscene is just is terrifying. Like it it's unnecessarily disturbing. That being said, it is a fantastic game. Like I said, it's my favorite Zelda game, and I'll probably talk more about it when I do Zelda Month, which is next month, I believe. November is gonna be Zelda Month. But I'll talk more about that. But yeah, the whole cutscene with the, the story of the interlopers. Ugh, so unsettling. So unnecessarily creepy and unsettling. It's just, yeah, I still I still have nightmares about it. But, I guess with that being said, that's all I got for uh, scary moments. If you guys have any moments in gaming that terrified you, let me know on social medias. All the links to everything will be in the link tree in the description. Just go to the socials, do whatever. Or if you just want to say hi, go over there too. But, I'm going to bring this episode to a close. We are almost at the end of Spooky Month. You know, we're almost close to Halloween. Halloween is literally, like, right around the corner. Uh, also this weekend, I will be celebrating... Well, by the time this episode comes out, I will be celebrating my fifth year wedding anniversary with my wife. So, uh, Caitlin, if you've listened this far, I love you so much. You mean the absolute world to me. And I can't imagine spending my life with anybody else. 
<laughs> but with that being said, I'm going to call this an episode. Drink plenty of water out there. Stay positive. Do positive things. You know, slap a camel because, you know, this could be your only chance. I've been Cameron. And as always, I will see you guys in the next episode. Nerd, 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 nerd. Out.